Kia ora, and welcome to Talking Performance. I'm your host, Jay Carter, and in this podcast, I aim to connect with people to chat about performance and what it means to them in an effort to share some gold with our community. I aim to have guests on from various parts of the performance world, such as athletes, coaches, and business leaders, ordinary people who do extraordinary things. These sessions take place live on Facebook on the group page Talking Performance at 8pm New Zealand time if you'd like to watch the show live. If you enjoy the podcast, it'd be great if you could share it with your friends and even leave us a review. G'day, mate. G'day. Oh, there we go. All Sorry good. about that, man. I don't know what happened there. Oh, it's technology. Yeah. Um, you ready to go live? Yep. Sweet. I think we are live, mate, albeit a little bit late. Sorry about that. I'm not sure what the crack was there. So tonight, um, pretty excited to have Isaac Geeson joining us. Thanks, uh, thanks, mate, for making the time today. I guess we've all got a, probably a bit more time than we'd like to have at the moment. But uh, that being said, thanks for, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on the show. So good. Look, I came across your video. There's a guy, Hamish McCarrow, um, sent me a clip and said, man, you got to talk to this guy. Um, so I've done a little bit of research and um, enjoyed listening to, to what you've had to say. You're commonly known as the Blue Rower. Um, you've got a pretty unique story, mate, which I am looking forward to, to digging into. But just before we start, um, tell us a little bit about your early days and um, you know, what your childhood was like, where you grew up. And I, from what I can gather, there wasn't any rowing involved in any of that. There might have been a love of water, but not too much rowing. Yeah. Um, no, so I'm 29 years old, uh, born and bred in Christchurch. Um, probably started swimming when I was two and a half, three, uh, when the swimming coach got sick of me playing in foot bath while my <laughs> sister was swimming. Uh, she said, nah, go up in the pool, Isaac, you're too eager to learn. Um, Started surf life saving when I was nine years old, um, and ooh, what else about me? Uh, I've been, I guess, kayaking probably since I was a flat water sprint kayaking ooh, from fifteen years old, um, and yeah, didn't probably start rowing until three, four years ago um, when I found out about ocean rowing and said I wanted to go and give it a go. Yeah, and uh, I, I heard a funny story that you approached a few rowing clubs to try and help you learn how to row, um, telling them what you were going to do, and you pretty much got laughed at by the majority of them. Is that right? Yeah, I was in London, and I was trying to learn how to row there, and I asked some of the high-end type of rowing clubs um, on the Thames, oh, could I learn how to row? And one lady said back to me, said, uh, I said, I want to row the Atlantic and I'll learn how to row. And she said, oh, you're stupid for what you want to do and you probably can't achieve rowing. So that was, yeah, enough fire for the fire, or enough um, energy for the fire to keep me going, I guess. Yeah, nice. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I guess um, your reason for rowing uh, the Atlantic, you're the first Kiwi to do it solo, is that right? Yeah, I'm the first Kiwi to row. Um, any ocean actually solo. Um, right. so I think uh, Steve, oh, Steve uh, Collins, uh, Sean Quincy. So, yeah, Sean Quincy, he did Tasman Sea, so you can't really count that as the ocean. Yeah. Um, how long? And you were on there for 70 days, right? Yeah, 70 days, 19 hours and 35 minutes, I think. Yeah. 
not that anyone's counting. Um, yeah. So what inspired you to do that, mate? Tell us a bit of that backstory. Um, so I was overseas um, getting my yacht masters and um, we went to the island of where they learn how to, or they go off to, um, or they leave to go for the rowing race. And I said to myself at the time, oh, that kind of sounds like a great idea and kind of shut that idea that idea down but silly I also wrote the idea down although I wanted to row the Atlantic so kind of as you put ideas and dreams down on a piece of paper all of a sudden it kind of starts ticking it away to kind of come in reality yeah um and then I kind of came back and um oh I kind of thought about it a wee bit more and we kind of I went back to the island of where they left and I saw the people the team the rowers leave and this we're at the end of the key, seeing these people leave, um, and I saw, started talking to a short Scottish guy called Levin Brown, and he kind of comes up to my shoulder or a wee bit taller than my shoulder, give him a bit more, um, but he's just like a solid prop, you know, like he's definitely, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a nugget, and um, he goes to us, oh, I've rode the Atlantic seven times and then the Ocean once, so I look the fella up and down and go, oh, if you can do it, a Kiwi can. Um, <laughs> so yeah and then um, I saw a lot of people do it for charities um, so I lost my auntie and two mates to suicide um, when I was 12 and 19 years old um, so that made those major events that affected me quite a lot of my life and I yeah. wanted to um, I guess raise awareness about the issue that we do or that we're facing in New Zealand so I thought it was a great way to yeah, two things inspired me to do, to do it yeah, right. That must have been a tough time, mate, with uh, with your mates passing because they were quite close together. Is that right? Yeah, that was uh, within about two weeks of each other. Mm, that must have been tough. Yeah. Tough for you. Um, so you've obviously, you've done a few adventures, eh? Like you've done some, that wasn't your, the Atlantic wasn't your first row. You've rowed before and you've you've rowed again since then. Um, I guess I'd be really keen to know probably particularly around that uh that Atlantic row, um, yeah. there must be so much shit that goes through your head in 70 days. Um, you know, do you end up talking to yourself? Does it, do you get a bit uh, spooked by things? Do you start seeing shit? Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've done two. So uh, my first crossing was from uh, World Record Crossing, actually. Um, World's first. It was from first team to row from um, Europe to Cuba. Uh, so we went Portugal, uh, we had to go via the Canary Islands because of water uh, maintenance and water maker issues, and then 61 days across to Cuba. Um, yeah, no, there's a lot of things that does go on, a lot of things you do see. Uh, I guess the first things you start seeing is if you, when you start getting sleep deprived, um, you start hallucinating quite a bit. So um, I couldn't, when we had to steer... Um, and looking at the compass, I never could have a red light on my head because otherwise I'd start seeing things to the left and right of me, which was, <laughs> yeah, that was quite horrible. Um, and I guess the other things is, oh, and the other hallucination you start getting is um, you're thinking you, you go down to sleep, you've been to sleep for 20, 30 minutes, and all of a sudden you think you've heard the bang, 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 you know, 10 minutes, and all of a sudden, nah, it's still another hour to go, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> what's going on here because you feel fresh as anything you've only been down for 20 minutes of sleep and all of a sudden you're awake and they're like oh no you got another hour um 
what was the rest of the question? Sorry. Oh, no, just keep going, man. Like, um, oh, that, that was, I mean, the, I guess when you were talking there, I was sort of thinking about how big, how big is your team in this case and how big is your boat? Um, yeah, so the team, we started off with six of us. Um, so the team boat that wore length was 40, meter, 40 foot um, oh. by 1.7 wide. Um, and I, oh, I have a feeling it weighed about 700 kilos bare boat. Oh, shit. So it was um, so carbon Kevlar and then there was some foam and then some more carbon Kevlar on the boat. So it was quite, it was a solid, a solid beast. Yeah. So that was two hours on, two hours off, constantly going. Um, well, they started off with six of us in the team boat, um, and then five days in, our watermaker broke. So then we had to divert to the Canary Islands. Um, and then when we were in the Canary Islands, two um, team members opted out. Um, so there was four of us to go across after that. So, yeah. So it's two hours on, two hours off constantly. Um, and you get woken up 10 minutes before with like this, like a decent thud against the door and then someone yells 10 minutes at you and you just want to scream back yeah <laughs> <laughs> you want to scream at them um so yeah no, it's kind of it's full noise the whole time and i guess i think the worst shifts i think i was on was the four to six that was the hardest to stay awake for right and yeah. wake up yeah um and were they mates of yours or what happened there were the randoms or yeah, random. Um, so I was supposed to go solo at the end of 2017 um, in the Telescope Atlantic Challenge, but I don't meet the health and safety requirements. Um, so I wasn't allowed to go that year, even though I was in the Canaries, boat was pretty much already. Um, so then I came home and then got a phone call um, from the boat builder saying, oh, there's... Um, the team boat, team, team boat from Farinese, um rowers, some so north of the, uh, north of Scotland, the Faroe Islands. Yeah. Um, so there was four of them, and then one Romanian fella um, who were all ready to go. So I had no idea who they were when I first turned up, which was good and bad. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess you'd have to want to, you'd want to get on with them being uh, sixty-one days in a forty-foot boat. With yeah, other people. 74 days with them all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I guess, yeah, you really did want to get along with them. Um, I wish we did a few bit more planning and get to know each other um, and put for a few more tasks or a few more, um, not tasks. Um, when things did go wrong, just have a few more things put in place, but we didn't really have that. It was kind of a bit of a rush, rush. Um, so, yeah. So, when did things, did escalate and get out of control. It did kind of go out of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess how different was it to doing it solo? Like, I, I, I reckon if I was in the middle of the ocean and it was pitch black, man, I'd be shitting myself. It's like chalk and cheese. It was, oh, I loved it so much more going solo. Like, yeah. I was, oh, you just didn't have anyone complaining about you. You were going too many times to the bar, on the bucket too many times or, you're eating this or you're yeah you can just you can go fishing when you wanted there was no arguments about anything it was the only person you could argue was with yourself and it was all good yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so there was guess, no conflicts at all um i guess the one thing you did miss there was like i wish you could have had was watching the sunrises or sunsets of someone 
just yeah. because they're so yeah special i guess out there because you can just if you can start looking at the different changes and the different the differences between each sunset and sunrise then yeah it was quite special to start seeing yeah i get yeah i get that um that's probably the bit that i think i could handle um am i right in saying initially you're expecting the trade winds to be quite strong but you sort of had to row a fair bit of that boat on your own without too much support of the currents yeah, so the year before, um, when I was supposed to go solo, they had a day where 35 knots came through. So guys were literally just had the oars, like they normally be flat, they had to turn them the other way around because they were catching too much wind. Um, and yeah, <laughs> so when we went across solo, there was nothing. It was just savage, really hot. Yeah, hot, heavy boat all day for nearly like over half the trip. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More time for the sunrises and sunsets, though, I guess. Yeah, you kind of wanted that sunset to go down because being in that flat, calm seas, the sun was just reflecting off it like a mag- like an ant underneath a magnifying glass. So it just, <laughs> no, it was hot. It was, it was, it was, it, it was so brutal. Like it was so brutal. The sun used to just wipe me out so much that. Sometimes by the sunset, I was wanting to go to sleep because I was just done from the day. Yeah. So yeah. what did you do when you weren't? Um, obviously, you did a bit of fishing and stuff, but um, actually, I also want to ask you about your food because I'm imagining you didn't have beautiful stuff. I guess there's a bit of fish, but yeah, how'd you go with that? Um, so as I've talked to so many past, I've talked to quite a few past rowers. They said, if you're having the same spag bowl, or same chili con carne, it gets really boring. So take hot sauce. Oh. So I kind of went to the Asian supermarket and went overboard and I bought about, I think it was 150 pounds worth of Asian sauces and hot sauces and all that. Um, and then I went to the uh, supermarket, bought I think another 150 pounds worth of just sauces and condiments, just so when I would make my meal, I would make it into lunchbox, all one of those click-clack ones, and then chuck the meal in, and then I would add three things. So I'd add olive oil or coconut oil, yeah. and then maybe some peanut butter, and then maybe a hot sauce, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I've made something different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my favorite was, um, it was a chili con carne meal base with mayonnaise and um, Indian lime pickle. Right. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after like the whole day, and then you have that just before you go to sleep. So you've had like four hours on the oars, and it was just your last meal for the night. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I said to you, mate, we have a bit of interaction from time to time from people that are listening, and we've got one question here from Alison McLean who said, "What was the most vulnerable moment and the most empowering moments when rowing solo?" Okay, good you asked that one solo. Um, most um, vulnerable. I guess actually, yeah, the most vulnerable I felt was it was the most calmest day. It was like the doldrums day. So I left open up all the hatches and everything, and I've got this bit of like a um, what do you call it like a face shield for the window screen, so like a reflective to reflect the sun off. And I left the hatch open, and all of a sudden you're seeing like this beam of flashing of light. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? So you wake up, and I pop my head out the back hatch, and all of a sudden I see north to south. It's these clouds and there's a whole thunderstorm going off. And it's like bombs over bad dad. Just boom, 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 boom. Shit. I'm like, oh, wow. What are we doing here? <laughs> We're in for a bit of a disco tonight then, aren't we? If this <laughs> comes over me. Um, 
so yeah, that was the most vulnerable I ever felt. Um, and was there was a the disco way? that night? Oh, it was all night. It was just How much is the boat often. moving? Nothing, because it was completely still. So I was still oh, right. probably like two, three miles away, but you could just see it in the distance. And when it was yeah. a big one would go off, you could hear it as well. So it was quite cool. Yeah. Um, the most enlightening. Oh, there's so many parts to it. Um, oh, I think maybe one that maybe the enlightened part was was one of my mate's anniversaries. Um, and it was another dead flat day. I think it was probably the same day when the lightning storm went off. Um, and all of a sudden, I'd seen the water maker on, and all of a sudden, it's like, Psh. I was like, what's that sound? I was like, well, not like a Psh sound. I was like, Psh. and then all of a sudden, I was like, what's that sound? I look up, and sign of see this brown thing, and all of a sudden, it went down, it came back up, and it was a turtle just came up, and I was just like, oh, wow. So this little brat, this Oh, not little, it was relatively decent sized brown turtle came up to the boat and banged its banged itself for like about an hour against the hull. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so that was pretty special to have. Yeah, yeah. so that was on your mate's anniversary. Yeah. Oh, right. That's pretty, yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, did it get uh, dark out? Oh, actually, I don't mean dark as in pitch black. I mean, like yeah. mentally, you know, were there moments, you know, days yeah. 30, Four, where you're thinking, fuck, what have I done here? <laughs> um, yeah, no, nah, there was a lot of days like that um, because the whole time is you're not recovering. So you're going constantly. And even if you're lying down, you're in the emergency brace position because you're getting bang, 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 side to side. And then also it's so hot in there. Like it's the most, <laughs> like you wake up and just dripping and sweating, you got condensation dripping on your head, you got everything. So you're not actually sleeping, you're not fully going. So oh, I can't remember the f- exact days when it started getting pretty dark, but I th- no, oh, no, it probably started the first week or so. It's like you know, you start the battles start straight away. Well, even day three is a battle starting because like I walked out of the cabin and I was just like, what the, what is going on here? Eh? Like I literally felt like I'd have been hit by a freight train. Like my leg, like I was trying to stand on my legs and they just, like, were, they were sore to the bone. Like just that much, yeah. Yeah. That much pain. And then I was sitting on the oars and I was on the seat and just getting rocked side to side and all the rocking was going straight into my lower back. <sighs> but it was just, yeah, really uncomfortable. Um, but then you also had also like you get some of the tall poppy that would happen as well. So you'd call people from land and they'll be telling you, oh, you're getting beaten by a girl or um, what was the other bullshit? People would say, oh, it looks like you're having a holiday out there and oh, you should have done this or you should do that better and all this. And it's like, are you, <laughs> yeah. are you fucking serious? Yeah, like I, I haven't seen you do it. I haven't seen actually no other New Zealanders do this. So we're all export experts, aren't we? So. Yeah. That's where you start going a bit dark and yeah. So there's a few tools like the to pull on there or yeah. make up on my own. Yeah, I bet. Did you have um did you have good support crew in terms of communication? Yeah, yeah, no, I did. Had um probably two mates or you used to ring every second or one day apart from each other. Yeah. So I guess I talked to them about KFC or the Christchurch weather most of the time. Um <laughs> Yeah, and then I also had um, John Quinn, who was also a great yeah sports cycle of mine, who was just telling me to keep on just doing the little things every little day, 
and yeah. you know the little small things of the puzzle piece will make the bigger picture. So, so to keep that in mind. Yeah, nice. I heard you. Um, we've got another question from Alison, but I just want you to touch on one thing that um, I heard you talking about the glass being half full mm. and little what you do with the glass uh, when you're in the boat. Yeah. Um, so what I used to do is I used to pretty much grab the cup. So I used to drink from a cup instead of a drink bottle because it's easy to just grab a cup and then fill it back because then you know you're getting your fluids in. So I used to fill up a cup and then I would start saying, well, the cups are full or no, no. And then I'll start filling it up more and actually let it overflow, like physically overflow and go, fuck, this cup's fucking overflowing. And then all of a sudden I'll put some juice, I'll put a little powder in it because the water was so stripped of everything from the filter. It tastes like nothing like average. So you just gave it a bit of a bit of powder and like, oh, this, this, this cup's overflowing to fucking goodness. Like, you know, look, I've got some boost juice in here. We're good to go. Let's go. Yeah, and then you drink that back, and all of a sudden it was just yeah, just changed your whole mindset. Yeah, that's strong, yeah. eh? Yeah. Um, Allison's asked, "What was the biggest thing you learned about yourself in your solo journey?" <laughs> it's coming about. <laughs> uh, this, this. Um, what do we learn about ourselves? I guess the power of just positivity and the power of yourself. Like your, I guess the same thing as like well, I guess my favorite quote is for myself is. Any person telling me I can't do something as myself. So it's kind of that same thing that's kind of taught me from it. It's like the only person telling me I can't, I don't know, I, I can't go climb cook is me. I'm the yeah. only person who's telling me I can't go um, row in the Atlantic is myself. It's the same person who's telling me I can't go row the Southern Ocean is myself. Everyone else, in the five million people of this country could probably tell me I can't do it, but mm. I'm still the only person that's going to tell me at the end of the day I can and can't do it. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, and that lady at the rowing club in London that said you couldn't as well. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> she was she's wrong. Gonna, she's eating her words already, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so if we link it back to, uh, you know, like your charity and um, what you, you know, what you set out to do, you had your your mates' names and your auntie's names um, etched on your boat with you. Yeah, they were literally against the headboard. So when I was rowing every day, I would just look at them and they used to say, this is why I'm here. Yeah. And then have their names there. So yeah, it's quite a easy reference of why I was there. Yeah. What did your mates t- say when you said you were going to do it? Did they just go, you're an idiot or was the standard for, for you? Um, yeah. I think they were like, oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, now you'll probably do it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think once the new, some of them knew what I was doing, they're like, "Yeah, he's gonna do it." Like, yeah, they just know that I'm quite stubborn like that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, and you had you when you, um, I'm not sure if it was when you were out there, or it was a strategy that that you used, but your eight keys to well-being. Yeah. So this is kind of more when I've come back to now and um, started getting the public speaking um, around mental health. I was just trying to find, well, what are some, what are eight keys that's helped me row these two oceans that I can give to people that will help our mental health out. So, yeah, I've talked about um, yeah, my eight keys is just doing your basics or your Bs. So these are the small things that me and John Quinn talk about is, you know, brushing our teeth every day, eating healthy, or eating, uh, <laughs> eating, uh, exercising, sleeping and sharing. Uh, that's our simples, that's our basics that we have to do every day. 
you know, you can keep on counting next day forward. Um, number two is just keep it simple. So when times get shit, do the simple things that make us happy. Um, so for me, it's friends, family, exercise, food and rest. Um, remember the breathe. So get into mindfulness. So um, I guess that for me, when I was out in the boat, when I was day three, the back was <laughs> feeling like I was ripped in half. I used to say, just keep breathing in the good stuff. And it's, fuck this black, it's blow up this black shit, you know, blow away. Um, and then um, number four is don't don't sweat the small stuff. Um, so when I was rowing, I had the GPS break on me once. Um, I had water coming into hatch for about 13, 12 days, one of my main <laughs> hatches. Um, and yeah, it's just all about just don't sweat it when you're in the situation. It'll all be fine because I was still on a life raft that's supposedly unsinkable with individual compartments. So I knew if I had water coming to this hatch, it's not going to go through the whole boat. So it's all good. Don't right. sweat it. Um, life isn't a race. Find your own pace. Um, so I've got dyslexia and ADHD. So I've always been a wee bit lower or slower than my peers. Um, but I always knew I could always do the same thing as my peers, but I just knew it was just going to be a bit slower or a different pace to them. Mm. Um, Keep your eyes open for opportunities to help achieve your goals. That's kind of a, yeah, keep your eyes open. Um, always ups and downs, keep rowing. And yeah, have fun. Uh, my eight keys. Uh, nice. Positive well-being, but I'm kind of trying to change it and to say it's more positive keys to this adventure that we're on yeah. of life. What yeah. do you mean by that? Um, well, instead of trying to think of mental health overall, it's quite a, I don't know, yeah, just call it a bit of a negative word, negative connotation. It's trying to trying to change that thinking or that mindset of mental health. Well, it's an adventure that we're on, that we're on at the moment. And how do we keep our adventure going and how do we keep it positive and going forward? So it's just trying to yeah, change it that way, I guess, mm. of looking at mental health. Yeah. Um, do you know, I've heard you mention the bees a few times and I kept yeah. thinking to myself, what's he talking about with the bees? They start with E and S. But I, when you just said it then, I was like, oh, bees, I get it now. Um, yeah. What was number two? Because I had a question when you said number two, I had a question about it. Uh, oh, the sim- uh, keep it simple. Yeah, what did you say about yeah on the boat? Oh, you're talking about the bees on the boat. Oh, just doing like the simple things on the boat every day to keep the whole thing rotating, is it? Yeah, maybe. Oh, I'll come yeah. back to that. Um, yeah. You know, like when you've, because you talked about, you know, there's lots of ups and downs and they sounded like, yeah, you know, you're pretty passionate about, I remember, I heard you say that once you got off after your 70 days, you were keen to rip straight back in and do 70 more. Um, mm. But, you know, listening to your talk, apart from the sunrise and the um, sunsets, you had water coming in your boat, you had shit food, you, you know, <laughs> you had water stripped of its stuff. Um, so that must have been a real, you know, you must have been, uh, I guess, meditating in those moments to to get the most out of that. Mm. You haven't sold it that well, Isaac, at the moment, in terms of the rowing across the Atlantic. So, Nah, <laughs> it's absolutely mongrel and absolutely the most worst <laughs> thing you ever do, but you've got to make, you're the one that's put yourself there, so you have got to, might as well enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, and so then you're speaking at schools, um, trying to get... Uh, 
trying to get the word out there, was it? Like trying to get people to talk about it, young people to talk about anything they've got? Like what was your purpose to to the schools? Yeah, people? I was just trying to just get people talking about it, going to help, you know, help try solve the issue that we have in New Zealand. Um, so I was going to schools, businesses, uh, went to the prison a few t- uh, once as well with Pathways Trust. Um, so, yeah, I was trying to hit the whole community around um, Crush or in the Canterbury area in Marlborough, yeah, in the South Island. Yeah. Um, and the stats are quite high in men, right? Is that Am I right in saying that? Yeah, there's men 75% of uh, suicides are males. So that's why the number on the boat is 75. Oh, right. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so prior to, prior to taking this on, did you have any mental health challenges yourself as a as a young man like how old were you when you rode the atlantic um i think the first time i was 25 right so had you had any of your own mental health challenges up until that point yeah i guess i have um just growing up i guess you had those ups and downs and trying to confusion of life of what's going on or like you know you had a couple in you know, a week or two of being down here or there yeah. Um, and especially after losing a couple of mates and auntie, like you had those down patches and those, yeah, those very yeah, tough times. Um, so yeah, I, had, I guess I had, um, but fully didn't really know if I hadn't really fully been diagnosed or anything with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what sort of responses did you get um, within, at the schools? Yeah, quite positive. Um, yeah, because people could see that what I was saying was true and they could relate. Um, yeah. sadly um, yeah, that yeah. was the other thing sadly um, so yeah I probably went to about 25 26 schools in the first year I was talking um, and I would say over half were affected by suicide yeah. um, now I remember going to one school and it was only term two by the time I turned up and they already had four holy heck yeah so that kind of starts pants there yeah, that making must be- its way into you quite harder yeah. What do you mean by that, mate? Well, it just starts taking its toll on you. Like, you're kind of seeing kids' eyes and they're sunk in, you know, like you can't hide much by your eyes. And you can read through them quite well if you can see them. So, yeah, when you start seeing kids' eyes and you don't know what you can do to help them, you know the pain and struggles they're going through, and you just wish you could do something, but you can't. Mm. What do you think? Um... Like, what do you think as, I guess, few questions here, but and I'm not that more just yarning because I don't think the answer is simple. It's a pretty complex subject. But what do you think that we could, you could do as, as mates, as a wider community, and even in schools? Do you think there's anything that could be done or is it <clears throat> just a tough time? Well, I think the first step is well, all our sports people will get help. They all have someone outside their coaching staff they go and talk to. So every Olympian who's won a gold medal recently, they've got a sports cycle or someone they go and have a yarn to. So I think it should be made compulsory that, like dentistry, is it like, you know, we can get free dentist checkups. Well, why can't we get free counselling for kids? Or up to 25, 30, it should be free for everyone to go and have a yarn to someone who's outside their immediate groups and that will help solve an issue. It won't fix it completely, but if you know you can easily go and get free help somewhere, you're more likely to go take it and get it because your life is so confusing with this shit device here. Yeah. Everything's so high speed. 
everything's you know you can google everything it's to be you know to be a fingertip so just to go over yarn to someone have a talk over something well your problems that you're actually thinking about or concerned about was actually quite relatable and same same to everyone else so yeah i just think <laughs> there needs to be more easily counts or can, easier for counseling services really available for people Mm. that's a really interesting yeah. point you say about the olympians and i guess high performance athletes as you say pretty much they've all got a sports psych or um someone in their team uh and in many ways they look at it as um uh, like a performance pillar they don't look at it necessarily as a um something to fix you know like nothing's broken i think a lot of those athletes look at this as i need to build on the skill like i need to go to the gym and work on my physical fitness they look at that and go i need to work on my um mental fitness um and obviously some of them obviously do have um challenges and things that they they work through with the psychs but uh, that would be amazing eh, if you could have um i know some of the bigger schools obviously um Quinny's at a school uh, i know some of the bigger schools have them but you're right that would make a massive difference if that was open to the public yeah for sure but i also think also like at some of our top sports people like I would say the All Blacks are the most hardest boys of uh, you know our country. If they all can just be honest and say they get help, because they've all been had help to kick a ball, to pass a ball, how to tackle, uh, how to wipe their ass, they got learn how to got help for that, learn how to eat. So if you can be open and say, oh, we actually get help, and it's okay to ask for help. Um, I think we're going to be on the right track. We just need to show more vulnerability with our smiles. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned an age there, mate. You said up to 25 or 30 or something. Is that a thing? Is it, is it a young – does it, well, do the rates drop off as you get older? Well, I don't know if the rates get off when we're older, but us as males, we don't mentally mature until we're 32 years old or 30, 34 years old. So mm. for us <laughs> to know what we're actually doing right or wrong and it's not just our hormones being fluctuating or whatever, well, you know, we've got time to mature. We've got – you know. You, yeah, I don't think yeah. it should be saying 18, you know everything by this age. No, you yeah. definitely do not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you, look at, if you look at the 18 yourself, yeah, the 18-year-old yourself, you wouldn't know everything. You don't have anything in your book. So if you can have that help and just constant reassurance in knowing that you're not by yourself at 18 or 21, it goes on for a bit longer, then I think it might help solve the issue. Mm. Yeah. And I reckon if we had an opportunity to an opportunity to re-engineer society and you know not have to make I'm guilty of it. I've got um, three daughters, one of them's 21, so she's already been through these shit questions from me, but and everyone else. But you know, you get to 18 and what are you gonna do with your life? And all of a sudden oh. you're at this terrible time in your life anyway, and then some idiot like me's expecting you to bloody, you know, save the world, and then I've got a 16-year-old. Now that I'm, you know, same questions come up, and as you're saying it, you think, "Shut up, doesn't matter." Um, yeah. But it, it is hard, eh? and but I think it's because of how we've how we've uh, engineered society at the moment to go leave school, go to university, or get a trade and yeah. and work, which is bollocks, really. Yeah, it's just quite a confusing time. So if you can just have someone outside your fam, your mates, and your mum and dad, or whatever, it's just. Yeah, just chew the fat with and just let it all out. It just helps. Yeah. In my mind, it does. Yeah. Um, what uh, what danger do you think phones are having? Oh, <laughs> it's just not non 
non-connectivity with the world and it's yeah around everything like you know you just if you go to a pub with your mates there's six of us you know you could be six or eight people and there could be two or three people on their phones and yeah. then the other people are connecting and then all of a sudden just there's changes all of a sudden there's two other people on their phones and it's like what are you guys looking at oh it's just facebook or instagram or some crap really yeah. it's just like oh, okay yes so i don't know it's and it's, it's a good thing but it's an absolute yeah yeah it's funny eh, um you know everyone blames it and hates it um <laughs> uh sorry i just had my daughter just put a comment up she says the answer remains no fucking idea jay so well she didn't actually <laughs> swear i added that little bit in right. um but you know like we all complain about um social media and stuff i do you know like oh it's terrible but i'm also on it quite a bit um so that you know they're bloody clever with how they make that really addictive and yeah. um well that's why i don't want to get instagram to start off with because i was like oh if i got if i get instagram all of a sudden i'm going to be on this be on that stupid app and all of a sudden downloaded that and then bang i'm always on it just looking at some nothing yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what the thing is like you're looking through and you're scrolling through and it's like so what have I actually looked at today and has it been really useful? No. No. Just crap. Yeah. And yeah. I reckon that's, um, well, my wife and I do, or I try and haven't probably in the last 12 months with various things going on, but try and do like a great walk or two every year, you know, and you're yeah. in the tramping for five days with no cell phone reco- um, coverage. And I remember the first time we did it, I think, um, the Black Caps were about to start a test. I think the first round of the Aussie Golf Open was on. Like, I was just thinking, shit, I'm not going to cope. I won't see any live scoring. I won't be able to follow Crick Info. But like two days in, I was thinking, man, this is the best thing ever. But it's weird that we have to put ourselves in an environment that makes it impossible to yeah. get cell phone coverage. We can't just turn it off. Yeah. It was like the same. I think it was last year I got um, went up Plateau Hut, so up Mount Cook for a glacier course. We got stuck up there for five days and it was wicked. And then when it came back, all of a sudden I'm back on this thing and I'm just swearing at the phones and swearing at this. And I was like, oh, it was just so peaceful up there. There's nothing. There's no yeah. cell phone reception. And that's why I want to go back there really badly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird because you can just turn your phone off. You can, yeah. But, True. Um, <laughs> I've had a comment going, um, or one from... Andre, thanks, Andre. That, that was peer pressure that did that. Um, Andy Steele said dyslexia and ADHD can make life an amazing journey. Thanks for giving back, especially to the prisoners and giving them hope. Andy does some pretty cool work in, in that space in, in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, so what uh, what's next for you, mate? What's next on your horizon if all things go to plan? Yeah, well, real hope so that we go to level one. <laughs> on Friday, you know, yeah, yeah it's still going to happen. Um, well, wanting or wanting to, uh, well, to do a trip with the Antarctic Heritage Trust to go from um, Triple Cone to Coronet, so 50k ski touring or snowboarding or on splitboarding, um, traverse. So there's about five or four Turks, so made out of 20,000 litre um, irrigation pods. So go stay in there and traverse across. So that's the next one. Hopefully it starts Monday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. if not, hopefully there's a postponement date. Um, yeah. And then if not, 
we'll be probably waiting until school holidays um, and hopefully going up um, Tasman Glacier or up to Tasman Glacier Hut to go ski to um, at Mount Elliot de Beaumont. Right. Yeah. And then hopefully as well um, <laughs> head up Mount Aspiring again. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe as well Cook. Yeah. Like to go up there again this year. Nice. And so the name, the Blue Rower, is it? Is it changing to the um, Blue Adventurer? Is that what I heard? Yeah, I think so. It will uh, when I can get around to read about or what do you call it? Rebranding. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'd love to <laughs> change it to the Blue Adventure because yeah, I think that we're not just doing the ocean or just not just rowing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so when you were going through the the schools and stuff, how important was it? Yeah, um, you know, you had your, I think your, your happiness triangle or started off as a triangle and became sort of five things. How important was it that you looked after you first um, and made that a priority, like in terms of mental health? Oh, massive. Um, just because you were giving so much to, or giving, you know, giving so much by being vulnerable. Uh, with public speaking, because I guess ninety nine percent of the population would hate to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would stand up in front. So yeah, you're doing something already starting. Well, you're already starting to do a task that no one really would want to do anyway. So um, yeah, it is very important to keep on top of your mental health if you are talking about mental health and doing all that. I yeah, I did fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a question, or we've had a question here from Mark Webb. Um, top of a mountain or the middle of the ocean what's your preference and why or do they both offer the same oh is it sunrise or sunset oh good question what would it change your preference i saw my first alpine sunrise last year up um at the summit rocks of mount cook and it was that's the out the gate <laughs> um, but then you can still get those mornings as well on the land top of the mountain middle of the ocean it's a hard one I'd probably say ocean right yeah just because there's less people around <laughs> and then less politics and less media and less news to worry about so yeah, yeah. I guess that one yeah nice um, the guy I used to do this with another guy um, David Galbraith who's a clinical um clinical sports psych he would have oh, he would love you i sent him a clip um and he he put i love him and i said oh do you know him and he said no but i love him um but he was also <laughs> he was doing mountain climbing for a while he was you know with the i don't know what it was ice picks and, yeah, shit yeah, and yeah. proper yeah. training yeah so um <clears throat> he'll be gutted that he missed this one yeah. i reckon um th- when your own you know, when you're looking after yourself and, um, you know, like you, you spend so much energy with everyone else, who looks after you? Like, how do you, who do you go to? Do you go to your mates or have you got a good team around you? Yeah. Um, I guess it comes back down to me. Oh, I've got to really start it from the get-go. So every morning, like, I guess I'm saying the three things I'm thankful for, um, I'm very thankful for the glass of water that we can. I could have got from the tap that's fresh and it's fucking overflowing of goodness for the day. So it starts off with that as little things and then going and appreciating and loving that shower because that's another thing that I've learned from rowing. So I love showers <laughs> a lot now. 
and love being clean. Um, and then, yeah, just starting off like that, those little small things every day. But, yeah, my team's been great. Um, yeah. Got a, been working with Quinn, but also been working with Renzi Hannon um, oh, yeah. of late. So, yeah, he's been um, another real help for me just to uh, rethink and reword um, my feelings and emotions towards talking and going and do things. Yeah. Um, what do you mean by that, mate? Re, re reword. So, yeah. Um, when I was going and talking, I was getting all wound up and overwhelmed for the whole situation. But um, with Renzi, it's just kind of just saying, well, it's just the preparation of the talk. And then after, I used to have two or three days of just flat, just blah, done. And instead of feeling flat and blah and done, it's just recovery. Right. And just not trying to fight the whole process. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so what do you do now? Is that when you're in that flat and you just go, oh, it is what it is, do you do any, uh, is it apart from the verbal stuff, is there any things you do? Like, do you meditate? Do you sleep more? Do you cold, bloody ice baths? Um, try to go surfing as much as I can. Yeah. Um, if I'm not getting ear infections, I've got two lately this winter, uh, just from the cold. But yeah, otherwise it's trying to surf once a week at least, just to get, get grounded. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you read the book The Resilience Project? No. Um, neither have I. I've, but I listen to audio books, so I have. Yeah. I've listened to it because I I'm a shit reader. Um, yeah. Same, but yeah. it's an outstanding. Um, it's an outstanding book with a guy who um school teacher and he he sort of sees the mental health stuff in schools and um has this thing gem gratitude empathy and mindfulness um every day and that just reminded me when you said you start off your day with a bit of gratitude yeah well it's something i've had to um start doing because i end up getting diagnosed with depression and ptsd in the end of um 2019 so i've gone off hit ground or went down to ground zero and hit, try to build my way back up from it. So, yeah. So that's kind of the gratefulness every day is just one of those little things I've had to learn and it's quite helpful. And is it something, mate, that you go, um, you know, like 2019, obviously we're 2021 now. I'm assuming you just, you know, like in performance, they say performance isn't a linear progression where you just get better every day. I'm assuming over those couple of years you've had ups and downs where you've, I felt good for a while and then sort of feel yeah. like you're going backwards a bit. Yeah, for sure. What do you no, do in those yeah. situations? I've learned not to fight it, not get angry or upset at myself or being, oh, I think you feel like shit today. Oh, cool. You're allowed to. You just, yeah. You know, just leave, literally just talking. I've, we all have thoughts. So it's just me. I just normally, we talk to ourselves, I just say, and we do our thoughts and talking to ourselves the same, same thing. So for me, it's just trying to keep that positive it's so easy for all my brain, all our brains to go for that negative and try hunt and find it. It's just, if we can just put that little positive message of going, just reassuring yourself, okay, it's okay to feel like shit today. It's all good. You're allowed to. It's normal. Yeah. It's natural. Keep it up. Yeah. Embrace it. Let it, okay, let it have, let feel like shit today for this period. And tomorrow it's going to be fucking wicked. Yeah. So it's just trying to like keep on reassuring yourself that it's actually not that bad you feel like this or it's normal and it's, not the end of the world because you're and not you always going to feel like this. Yeah. <clears throat> do you share it with those around you? Like, you know, do you say to your mates, oh, fuck, today's just a shit day? 
what do you keep it in or what do you recommend? Maybe not so much what do you do, but what would you recommend? I think for you, you've got to tell yourself because it all comes back down to you. You can tell your mates and your mates go, oh, I don't feel like shit. Like I've told my friends before, like I've had a mate like, and I feel pretty down and I feel like pretty shit. Oh, I don't feel like shit. And I was like, well, look at that's the best advice. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so I guess that actually, I think what I'm trying like this for me to tell someone else, it all comes down to you. You've got to, look at that glass is it half empty or if it's half full it's overflowing so yeah um i think it's just kind of don't fight what you feel just embrace it it's natural and you're human so you're allowed to feel like crap yeah, yeah. um andy seal said i call them green light and red light days um which is probably quite a quite a cool way to look at it as a mate um you know if you if your mate does come to you and say Isaac, I'm having a shit day. Um, you know, you want to be the mate and help them like your mate did. You know, like he had the best intent eh, of trying to give you yeah. some advice to help you. Um, but I, when we chatted earlier on, you said, you know, sometimes the best thing is just to just to listen. Yeah. But, so listen to your mate and say like, oh, why? if he goes, oh, I feel like shit today, well, ask him why. Let him talk about it. Yeah. Ask him, you know, ask him all why questions or, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then ask him, so what do you think you can do to help yourself? You know, how might come up the answers instead of you coming up with it? Yeah. Or to speed it, just list the listen and instead of trying to find an answer for the situation, the problem that's going on, just listen. Because by just hearing that, all of a sudden, it's just the weight of someone else's shoulders gone. Yeah. So, you know, if they haven't been able to share this before and all of a sudden they let it out, well, it's just a weight off their shoulders gone. Mm. And then maybe wait, depending on how serious the situation is, maybe wait and say, oh, this is what you could do. Or maybe wait a day or half a day and then come back to it. Mm. Yeah. I listened to a podcast um, a couple of weeks back. and I, I won't get it exactly right, but the guy sort of said, um, with some of those helplines, a lot of the, he was working on a helpline um, and he said a lot of the times you don't say anything because by the time the person's, plucked up the courage and called you and and they've got some stuff off their chest. They've sort of, and you've just listened as a, you know, like at the other end of the phone, you haven't offered any advice, but even just the, the act of them um, talking about it can be quite helpful, which I found really interesting. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So I guess um, we'll wrap it up, mate. It's 8.59. Um, good luck. And sorry, mate, for the start. I'm not sure what was cracking off there. No, that's all right. Um, what what bit of parting advice would you give um, young people or anyone really I guess but um, possibly young people listening I guess the only person that's um, telling you can't do something is yourself really and believing in that like you know believe in yourself and yeah whoever can tell you you know like I, my last row I did from across the cook straight I told everyone I wanted to do it and there was only one other person that said, go do it, out of 100 people said, oh, that sounds like a really good idea. Why not? Everyone goes, oh, you know there's a bait that goes across? Oh, you know there's a plane? Oh, I was like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> cool. But it was, still, it was still me that going, well, I was like, I really want to go row the, row the cook straight because, you know, someone said we might come to another silly lockdown or something. So yeah. go kick off the bucket list. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's still only you that's telling you you can't do it. It's like, 
everyone could say telling me that, oh, you can't get a degree, you're dyslexic. Well, if you go to go to your lectures, you can get a red writer and a note taker and get all that, you can still get a degree. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all still, still only you telling you you can't do it. It's just you can go, yeah, we can go and get this degree. We can go to class and we'll pass. You know, it's those little simple things like that. Yeah. And how long did the cook straight take? Uh, that took 19 hours. 19 hours? Yeah. Is that, that that seems quick. Oh, it kind of took me the long. I took me the longest route as well because I went from oh, Salt Flats. Oh, is that called again? Uh, not Cliff, is it Clifford Bay? Yeah, Clifford Bay. Not sure. And I went to um, Island Bay. So I stupidly wanted to go into Wellington where I should have gone up the West Coast and it would have, the currents and everything would have worked a lot better in the grounds. So I really wanted, what I wanted to do with the Cook Strait is actually get a nice downwinder with getting a southerly system with a ground, with some ground swells. So you can actually go for a bit of a surf. Uh, yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. But now I've kind of realised that there's some trenches in uh, the Cook Strait, which make it quite di- difficult like that. Like when it sucks up, it goes from 200 metres straight up to 30, and all of a sudden you're getting the big wash- washing machine. Um, but no, I think it's probably, or probably we'll still probably do it again, maybe. How, yeah. um, how easy is it to tip the boat? Oh, you need a decent wave, yeah. And if and you did tip it, what happens then? It's sure... If I did, uh, if I had ballast water, it should self right. If I don't, it doesn't self right. Right. Yeah. And uh, sorry, I did say we we're going to wrap it up. I got one more question. Yeah, that's all right. What if a mate said to you, "Can I come with you?" Great question. Um, I've had many mates say that before, and they all pull out as soon as I say. Let's go. We're going to this point. They'll go. Oh no 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 no! That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's only made. It's only got one rowing position at the moment. So yeah, that sounds perfect for the other guy then. Yeah, it does. They have to be on sandwich duty the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the solo thing's probably more of your future then. Um. Oh yes and no. Like I'd love to take someone out there. I'd love to take some people out there. Um. There's a team row. I'd like to take some people on, but it would be. <laughs> quite savage um, the route I want to go do it hasn't been done before um, it'll be extremely hot like an extreme side um, but yeah we'll see how this all folds out cause it's, yeah we don't actually know what's going on tomorrow do we yeah well that's true <laughs> yeah um, how experienced would they need? I'm not by the way I'm not sort of trying to get a position on the boat it sounds like my worst nightmare but yeah. um, sounds lovely for you to do and keep doing it but how experienced would the guys need to be that come on the trip with you? Experienced in which ways? Uh, rowing and handling. Rowing. Being on a boat for... <laughs> uh, well, the thing is that people can't... You can't train for something like ocean rowing. It's the most... Yeah. People have done team rows before and they've done SAS trainings and all that and it's still... still can't simulate the experience of it. Yeah. Um, for people with their own experience, that should be all right. You know, we'll learn on the job or uh, you learn before it, six months, it'll be easy as. Rowing's pretty straightforward sport. If you can deadlift, you can row. Um, that's my opinion about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, some rowers might say no, but um, yeah. no, I would say you're just going to be um, open minded, know that you're going to go through the, probably your worst state ever. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't sell it that well, Isaac. Um, Hamish McCarrow, who's put, who said I need to get you on, he's just popped in with a question saying, who would you take if you could take anyone? Is there anyone that's way out there on the list that you'd love to go? You're coming with me. <laughs> oh, maybe my old fit. One of the guys who taught me how to row, um, Hayden Cohen. Oh yeah, so, I guess he's a world champion rower, so I guess it yeah. helps as well. <laughs> it would um, help. <laughs> yeah, Good choice. Yeah, it would help. Um, maybe him. Um, right now, who else? I, yeah, it still hasn't come to mind. Like, I thought about it. But, oh yeah, no, he'll be great. Nah, no yeah. one's still. Yeah, yeah, love it. Um, mate, thank you so much for um taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. Um, thanks for having me on the show. All the best for um, for the future and, and um, keep spreading that good word. Yeah, no, thank you. Cheers, man. <laughs>